0: Up next, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Oh, we've got a great guest now. You're going to love this. But before I do that, if you want to text us, uh, 2057 is the text, 2057. Email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. One of the things that's happening uh, everywhere I go is that people are saying, oh, I think I'll homeschool my kids. Why? Because parents are disgruntled about two things of their present schools. A, what they're not learning, and B, what they are learning. And uh, it's a little frightening when you dig into it, and particularly through the COVID scare and the lockdowns, parents got to see uh, where their kids were academically and also see how their classrooms were being run. And, of course, if you didn't catch it, there's a wonderful uh, replay to listen to from Professor Elizabeth Rata, talking about where our schools are at in terms of the philosophy of education. Where you don't have a teacher and a student, you have a facilitator and a learner, which even to say makes my skin crawl. Well, we've got a very, very experienced homeschooler. Her actual name is Stephanie Wormsley, but she allows her friends to call her Steffi. And I said, wow, what a way. And she said, friends. So we're going to call her Steffi. Good morning, Steffi. Good
1: morning, Rodney.
0: It's so lovely. You've got such a, a wonderful, people can't see you. I've got you on Zoom. You've got such a wonderful smile. And you've got such wonderful skin. And before we went on air, I had to ask a tricky question about because we're talking homeschooling, I thought I need to know a little bit about the family situation. And I thought you had young kids. And I said, well, you know, do you have, um and this is tricky, do you have a uh, someone there helping you like a partner? And you looked me straight in the eye and said, I've been married 52 years. i got to tell you, Steffi, I almost fell off my chair because I didn't think you were 52. So my goodness,
2: you're an English rose, Right. I was brought up in England. Which part?
1: Uh, in the northwest. Um in Lancashire.
0: Lancashire. Is that where Silla Black came from?
1: Uh, close. She came from Liverpool, which was about um, about 40, 45k away from
0: where I was brought up. Oh, I love Silla Black. No one else, no one else that in my family does, and all I could listen to Silla Black all day. And I was so upset when she passed away. And I think I fell in love with her as a little boy because of the show that she had. And she was so unpretentious and so identifiable, whereas other pop stars were remote and distant and a bit wacky. Um, But she seemed very girl next door and beautiful, beautiful singing, beautiful voice and very unaffected by fame, um, I do I do love her, Lancashire. And so you grew up there, and then how come you came to New Zealand?
1: Um, well, we wanted to do a little bit of uh, travelling. We, we married young, then we went to university, and then we wanted to, we both were working and we decided we wanted to do some travelling, and we came to New Zealand. My husband got a job here in New Zealand, and we were here for three years. And we went back to England, and now we were New Zealanders, so we had to come back home. How
0: lovely. And what did you study at university?
1: I was a teacher.
0: You are a teacher? Oh, my goodness. And your husband?
1: He's um, an IT specialist. He's a consultant, an IT consultant.
0: IT. Oh, wow, that's what you need. You can make a lot of money and work at home and go to people's computers and say, oh, yes, this is going to be complicated. Um, great. Now,
2: you came back to New Zealand. Were you teaching?
1: Yes, I taught in New Zealand. I taught in England and in New Zealand, well.
2: Mm.
0: So what years were you teaching here?
1: I was teaching the, um, the uh, ones who were coming to me at six. And I'm there sorry. Was, you, there were the six-year-olds.
0: Six-year-olds. But whereabouts?
1: Oh,
0: where? Uh, well, I was teaching in on the North Shore. Mm. We might just have to pause this and start again because for some reason we're not getting a good audio from you. Um, I'm a bit frustrated. What we might do is uh, just pause it. and, and uh, uh, So where were you teaching, Steffi?
1: I was teaching in there on the North Shore.
0: Yes. And they were little kids.
1: Yes. I, I was getting the six-year-olds coming in.
0: Nice. That's the cutest time, isn't
1: it? Oh, my goodness. I, although whatever age the child is, I'm, I'm usually saying, oh, that's my favourite age. So when I was teaching the six-year-olds, they were my favourite. I and know. i the four-year-old granddaughter, so four is my favourite.
0: <laughs> now tell me, w- w- what year was that?
1: Oh, do I have to tell you that, Rodney? It was a long yeah. time
0: ago. Well, you told me you were married at 52 <laughs> for 52 years. So I know you're not 21. Child,
1: right? uh, uh, that was in the 70s. Like late okay. 1970s, 78. My 29. goodness. And
0: you were teaching? You were happy
1: teaching? I loved teaching. Hmm. Loved it.
0: And then you started a family?
1: And then we started a family, yes.
0: And, and how then- many- how many children did you have?
1: We've got five children, all grown up, all married, and we've got grandchildren now.
0: What a wonderful, and, what a wonderful success that is.
1: And the, uh, the um, school-age grandchildren are being homeschooled now.
0: With you or with their mum or mom dad? who
1: never went to school.
0: Never went to school?
1: She never went to school.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. That's amazing. Um, so tell me how you got into this homeschooling business when you were a teacher teaching at Birkdale.
1: Okay. So we, um, I loved teaching and I had, um when I started teaching, I had um an, an older teacher who was my head of department, who really um, brought me right alongside her and showed me how to teach and um, successfully. So, we would have all our children um, reading with, but before they went up to the standards that um, when they were seven, they were all reading, they could all write, they knew their basic maths for um, maths operations. They could. Some of them could do their two times and five times, ten times tables. So they were well set up then to go off into the standards. And um, I was really enjoying teaching very much. And then when I got my baby and uh, she was – Once I settled into motherhood, she was fun. I loved her. I liked being with her. I liked being with my children. I didn't really have a need to send them off anywhere. And I thought, we can do, we can continue doing this. We can continue doing this at home.
0: Nice. So you were sort of teaching them as uh, before school and spending time with them. And then you thought, "Mm, I'm not comfortable waving them goodbye. I just want to be with them. Right. Yeah. Other mums and dads aren't like that. I know. I was not especially like that because you maybe it's a selfishness thing, but you sort of want a bit of time to yourself too.
1: Yes. Well, the um, when this uh, this first child, when she um, she realised that she was old enough to go to school, she wanted to go, and I said, No, no, we're staying at home. And she said, well, my best friend is going, and if you go to school, you get a school skirt, and I want a school skirt. So yeah. we said, okay, you can go to school. And a year later, she was begging me to homeschool her. And oh, I was really? Saying, no, I don't want to homeschool. I've got this nice life now, and I'm doing all this other stuff. I was doing volunteer work for an organization, and I was having a great time. And I had finished with that. I didn't really want to homeschool. But so she was such a sad little girl that I did bring her home.
0: So this I is would, your oldest child? Yes. Yes.
1: And uh, then the same thing happened with her brother. When he got to school age, he wanted to go. She told him, don't go, you won't like it. And, no, he wanted to go, so he had a turn and he came home. And then the third child came along and she said she wants to go to school. Well, I just said no. And so she didn't get an opportunity to go. And then the fourth and the fifth one didn't they didn't even ask me.
2: How interesting. Did you feel concerned
0: or nervous about keeping your children home from school in the sense that it was um not the done thing?
1: Um it was definitely not the done thing. We didn't know any of the homeschoolers. We, uh, our family thought we were going through a phase. Um, we were all alone. There were no hum- the, the, even the word homeschool had not really been invented. Uh, it was only happening in America, but I didn't know about that. And um, I sometimes I would wonder if some authority figure would come along and check on me. And um, but apart from that, I was quite happy.
0: Um, did you have to? apply to anyone to homeschool your children?
1: At first, no. But um, then the exemption form came through and um, you have to fill fill in the exemption form, which we have now. And the exemption form now is much more complicated than it used to be, um, much more detailed and asking a lot more questions. However, once you have your exemption you're, you just go, off you go. Um, yes. But but um, when my older ones were little, you got an exemption, but you would also get um, a review. You needed mm. a review. The reviews stopped because the, they were not having any trouble with homeschoolers, and so it was deemed to be a bit of a waste of money. The homeschoolers were always the ones who were succeeding and doing very well. And they didn't. They weren't really needed to be inspected in the same way. So now mm. the only reason now you would get an inspection is if, um, for example, if there was a um, uh, a broken marriage and uh, one person, one of the uh, partners, uh, was trying to force the children to go back to school and and would ask for a, a review, mm. or neighbors learned S- that there was something that they didn't like happening in a house. So,
3: so,
0: okay, your your first two children went to school happily but then became unhappy within a year. Um, what do you think that was about?
1: Well, when the oldest child went to school, she, she could read. She learned to read sitting on my lap. And when she got to school, the teacher wanted to teach her to read. And she wouldn't allow her to read a book or or anything. So it was it was a very much a controlled atmosphere that didn't really suit this um all the individual children. Mm. It suited the teacher.
2: And did you feel
0: certain or were you uncertain about homeschooling? Obviously. Back then, even now,
2: it was a big step.: Yes, it was a big
1: step. Um, but um, I was very focused on this little girl who I um, I just really liked her. She was I, obviously, you love your children, but I liked this little girl, yeah, and I liked being with her, and I didn't like seeing her sad. And no. I knew that we could put this right. And uh, so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to put it right. And we, we, uh, she came home and she had a great time. We had, a, had, she had a lovely childhood. we had a great time. She was always fun.
0: And so your husband was working, and you were—I don't know how to word this without upsetting people—but um, you were like a full-time mum.
1: Yes, I was a full-time mum.
0: Mm. I'm and allowed so- to say yeah. that on Reality Check
2: Radio. How cool is that?
1: Yeah.
2: Very <laughs> cool, Um, so tell me how you
0: developed your homeschooling method with your children. And I imagine it evolved over time as you learned and you learned more about the kids. And then I imagine you developed a philosophy and, and, and read about homeschooling and different techniques. Can you share with us how that how you did it and how it
2: evolved?
1: Yeah, So when I started homeschooling, I I did what I had done in school when I was the teacher. So I was teaching her to read. So we would have some literacy every day and we would have some math. And then we would do art and poetry and stories and singing and um, nature walks and trips out and all those lovely things that you do with preschoolers. But just at a more advanced level with a six year old. And we just went from there. just kept on developing. So always thinking about uh, what's happening now, not worrying about the future. Uh, Like, you know, how's she going to get into university? It wasn't bothering me when she was sick.
0: No. And so, and, of course, you knew up to the uh, uh, pretty much what primary school teaching was all about. So you felt capable of teaching that, and you felt capable of keeping them up to speed with the other kids?
1: Yes, I think I did, until we got into the teens, and I, w- I thought that this child was right, and I thought we were doing very well, but I wasn't really sure. And then we um, we went into exams. So when she was 14, uh, I applied to, for her to do two school certificate exam she did um english literature or english and um math and she got very high marks on those
0: oh isn't that great
1: so then we knew that this was i thought she was a bright child yes she was a bright child she was academic and we could go on from there and with the next with with the uh, younger children I moved away from exams. I changed my mind about exams. I was more confident that I didn't need to inspect or compare or um, to find out where they were with their contemporaries. I was much more confident, and we we didn't do exams. I felt quite strongly about that.
0: Isn't that wonderful? So right through high school, they didn't do exams?
1: The younger ones didn't do exams, so the – one of them, the, the only exam she did was her music exams when she was going through the grades.
2: Mm. And their
1: first uh, and then they did the driver's exam. But that was it. They didn't do exams.
2: So you're quite the radical or revolutionary. Hmm.
1: I've I've never thought of myself like that, Rodney.
0: Well when i when I first saw you, and I thought you looked such a lovely mum and English rose, but
2: you really went outside the system yes, with I your think kids, we did. yes, yes, we did,
0: and you were very confident in yourself that you were doing your best for your children um uh,
1: I think yes, I was, and. First of all, I was confident because I had been teaching the little children, and then I gained confidence because I could see my children making progress. And then, I, um, as homeschooling became more um, popular, um, I was meeting other homeschoolers. Yes. And that that meeting other homeschoolers is really good. It's lovely.
0: Yeah. Now, tell me about at the different times with. Five children being homeschooled, right? What were their ages? What was the gap?
1: They're very well spread out. So the, the gaps between the oldest and the youngest is 16 years.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, that's very good from a Western A price nutrition point of view because your body recovers and you're ready for the next baby, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Because um, um you're in – Oh, I shouldn't get into this, should I? But you're unhealthy because it takes a lot out of you, childbirth.
3: Yeah, and well, nutritionally.
0: then it's not. Yeah, good for you. So tell me, what was your day like with five kids at home?
1: Well, um, the oldest one, by the time the baby was the youngest one, was born, the oldest one, she was already 16, so she was already quite well self-educating and ready to. Move on to other things, and she applied to university, and she got into Auckland University. Um, when she when she was sixteen, and she went oh on the seventeenth. She went two days after her seventeenth birthday because she was already out at university when I had the. Best.
0: Isn't that right? Isn't that funny? So, what was your day like? How do you teach kids at home? What's What's it made up of?
1: So, so first of all, we would, we would first of all. <clears throat> We'd have little jobs to do in the morning. I don't like to call them chores because chores makes it sound like, you know, it's not very nice. But actually, getting your house tidy and settling down is not a horrible thing to do. It can be quite pleasant and satisfying. So we'd get the house tidy, we'd have our breakfast and tidy up and, and we'd sit down. Now, for us, we would always start our day with prayer and maybe a little bit of um, a a little bit of a bible reading or something like that and then we'd always have literature uh, uh, literacy in the morning and we'd always have maths in the morning now um they don't all all my children didn't like the subjects in the same way so one was very resistant to math but she was really good at music and I read that If you play your music before you do your maths, it's uh, good for your brain and it helps you to do your maths better. So I always insisted that she played her music before she did her maths. And then, hmm, yes, and she also, she didn't like the textbook that I got for maths. And so... Um, I met. A, I had a, a friend who had had a stroke, and so she was quite restricted in her movements, and and what she could do. And she um, agreed with me. She came around once a week, and she played maths games with the maths book hater. So the maths book hater got her maths through games. So she got she got a good quality, a good good level of understanding of her maths, and then. After a little while, after about a year, she went back onto the maths book. So that helped her.
0: So you were able to tailor
2: the teaching style and the teaching level individually.
1: Yes. Yeah. Isn't that great?
0: Oh, it's beautiful. Mm. It, it, you, you, um, you're such a saint you make me feel delinquent um because <laughs> you know i hate i don't like i don't like modern schooling and you get lots of emails but you don't actually know what they're learning and it's all projects and confusion and you drop your kids there and so-called professionals take over and they're all lovely and then your kids come home and Um, school's done over there and now you're home and I did homeschool for two terms and I loved it and I got to know my children Mm. and we got into a rhythm of living which I adored um, and being close I worried a bit that I was being a bit selfish um, and my kids my little boy was dyspraxic and we thought we'd put him into school because he was quite tough to teach because he couldn't talk he didn't really talk until he was six he's fine now you can't shut him up so we thought it'd be a good idea to put him into school and get him talking you know rather than just babbling and when we dropped them off to school, the girls said, oh, we'd quite like to, you know, have a day at school. And I said, you can't go for a day. I said, try a week. And they went into school and they loved it. And, um, they love the playing around, which, you know, is very nice, but, um, it's, doesn't seem particularly disciplined. As I, as I said in my introduction, you sort of worry about what they learn and you worry about what they don't learn at school these days. Yes. But um, I, I, I can imagine doing it. I, I had planned to do it forever, just like you. And um, that's why I feel sharply what you've achieved is so wonderful and it's such a commitment. Tell me, how many hours of schooling would you do a day? if you call it schooling, because in a funny way, schooling, you'd obviously have your discipline and your routine. Did you work it by the clock?
1: Um, re- reasonably, it, you know, sort of a you know a, f- a flexible sort of way. So, you know, after you've done a bit of um, a sitting down writing uh, study work, then it's morning tea time and they're playing outside and, um, you know, just having a good long half an hour relax. Mm. And then we do something a little bit different every day. You know, you might do a different thing every day. So there's something called um, five in a row that I would do with the little ones, um, which is a literature based thing where you would read a story every day for five days and then look at a different aspect of it. Mm. Um, then you might, we might do, um you know, look at the, some history and geography and children would make little books and and um, we'd make maps and then we'd do artwork. And then um, some days we'd work in the afternoon and sometimes not. We'd go to the library every week, and the library was always a very lovely time for us. We'd um I'd be very organized about how we how we did it and um how the um, how the children were would be ready to get there. So they get to the library and they'd have um a list of things they we were looking for, and a time to browse, and then we'd spend about an hour in the library, and then we'd go outside and I'd sit in the in the, in the cafe and have a coffee, and the children would have a fluffy and then go and play on the um, on the uh, forecourt uh, mm. in a safe place at the south window at the cafe. And
0: what did they do for friends?
1: Well, they had homeschool friends. They had friends at church.
0: Because um, the church would be a big, would be excellent, it wouldn't it for homeschool kids because that becomes their friendship. I hadn't thought of that. That would be because that's where I struggled.
1: That the children at, who go to school can be quite unkind about children who are homeschooled. Yes, we would find that often the, that children would be they would uh, compl- uh, call our children that they was say to them that they were stupid because they didn't go to school or they'd quiz them, do you know five times six or something like that. Test, yeah. give them a little test. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so you'd go to Sunday school and church on a Sunday, and so you had a, a very strong community around small you. One. It was and, a
1: very small church, and so a very small community, really. Okay,
0: but it was a community because yes. I found when I had my kids at home, I and I'd moved to a new place and didn't know anyone. And then when I I thought, well, I'll take them along to sport, and they'll make friends there. Yes. But the funny thing is, I found that all the friendships had already established, if you know what I mean. I do. And my kids, even playing sport, were outsiders.
1: Yes. What about a homeschool support group? There are support groups all over the place. Yes. But you didn't have that, um, not when I started. But then, when I um, when I started, I met two other homeschoolers, and I started the homeschool support group.
0: Okay, okay, and then
1: that was it. And that support group grew, and then we then we started organising other events like swimming classes and sports classes and art classes, and um, and the, that's what you get in the homeschool support groups now. They are there's so many nice things to be able to do so there's just a too many things to choose from too many and, and
0: nice and nice people
1: and nice people mm. and you and, don't get on with everyone but there's enough people for you to find someone that you do get on with yes and
0: did your children feel strange different excluded, not part of things
1: well so um, some of them did sometimes. Uh, one of them just wanted to be normal. She kept on saying, I want to be normal. And she didn't like uh, the difference that she was getting in her upbringing. She didn't like that we had um, healthy food and didn't go mm. to school. Um, and she just desperately wanted normal. And then another a younger sibling um, when she was faced in a musical situation, Dad said to her, "It's all right. This is normal." And she said, "I don't want to be normal." <laughs> so they 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 had their own ups and downs and battles, and um, they would have their own story about what happened in homeschooling. And yes, um, well, so you, their story was different from mine. You would you would have been at those
0: times have to be very strong with what you were doing.
1: Yes, I think with with my husband, with Philip, Philip and I were a strong team, and so mm. having him there as well made us a strong team.
0: Mm. Did your faith play a big part in your decision to homeschool no. and also in your homeschooling?
1: No, no, not really. Um, obviously, we... Um, it uh, made a difference in what I was choosing to give to the children and mm-hmm. how I taught them. Um, but I started homeschooling because because I liked I liked the children.
0: Mm. You must have um,
1: that would be homes- different now, though, Rodney. Sorry, that would be different now. If I was to be starting today with uh, with my five year olds I would be homeschooling for a different reason. I
0: agree. We'll get Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. So you homeschooled your children because you had such a a spaced-out family and had five. You homeschooled for almost ever.
1: 28 years.
0: 28 years your own children. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's like a career.
1: Yes, yes, it was a career, I think.
0: And your children now? How are they?
1: So they're all grown up, all married, and uh, two of them have got children, and um, two of the children are school age and being homeschooled. By their mum? Yes.
0: Well, that is the biggest, um, what's the word, vote of confidence in what you did, isn't it?
1: Well, it's, it's very nice. She's a lovely mummy.
0: She's a, she is. She's
1: a lovely daughter.
0: Do they live close?
1: Yes, they live next door.
2: Oh, God, you live the dream.
1: Yes, that's
2: cool. Really live the dream. Now, did you did your fan
0: your kids growing up? They made friends, and these friends were within the church community, within the homeschooling network, and then they went off to university your oldest one was that a culture shock
1: um i think for one of them he, he it was a big culture shock for him and he was pretty cross with us about it uh because he he didn't really realize exactly how wicked the world was until he uh, he got out there and had a little bit of a uh and they experienced, wanted to see what was going on. Uh, so I think one of them found it very hard, yes. Mm. And some of the others to lesser degree, much lesser degree.
0: We're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We're talking with Steffi Wormsley about her 28 years of homeschooling her children. It sounds like she taught the kids for a long time each. No, she had five kids spread out. Um, and amazingly, they grew up and homeschooled their own kids. Now, so it's a, a, a wonderful, a, a wonderful vote of confidence in homeschooling. Uh, Steffi, when you were teaching them, did you follow? A, there are different methods of teaching, different philosophies. Did you have? Did you develop your own philosophy, or follow a particular philosophy of pedagogy?
1: Well, um. At first, I was uh, sort of following this idea of of literacy and numeracy and then giving the children a wide general knowledge. Um, But then I started, obviously, you're going to develop ideas. So that's always been like the core of what I'm doing. Um, But then I started finding out about Charlotte Mason, who is very popular in homeschool circles now. So I can tell you about Charlotte. Please. Yeah, so she was um, a teacher and a philosopher. She was born in England, was born in North Wales in 1842. And uh, she was brought up not too far away from where I was brought up. And um, she was orphaned at the age of 16. Uh, Both her parents, she was an only child of only children. So she had no family at all and friends took her in. And then she went to the teacher's college and she started teaching. She was a good teacher and she wrote, Uh, geography books and then she uh, she developed her ideas and her philosophies now and then she started a school for uh teachers to teach teachers and then she also published a set of books on the philosophy and um methods of schooling and teaching now she went out of fashion really um maybe in the over the years, over the 50s and 60s, 1950s and 60s. And then in 1990, an American couple living in England republished her books, which were out of copyright, and they showed them to the homeschool community. And one of this couple, the lady, wrote a book about Charlotte Mason. And from there, uh, the um, understanding of Charlotte Mason and the um, interest in her has grown and grown and grown
0: how interesting and what can you summarize for us her philosophy
1: yeah well she was very focused on but she loved children and she respected them she did never talk down to them and she discouraged people from talking down to them she said for example Um, A stranger will talk to a child and they'll put on this special child voice. And you'll have seen that, Rodney. Yes. When you speak to your child, you don't put on a child voice. We don't do that with our own children, do we? No, no. But, But that will be done by people. And Charlotte said, no, don't do that. Don't talk down to children. And she wanted children to be put in contact with the great minds on any subject. She was a great believer in books. She didn't want teachers to water down or explain and give little lectures. She would say, just get out of the way. There's the master, there's the child, and let them communicate. Let the child learn from the master. So she had strong thoughts about ideas and the power that ideas have over us and how we can use ideas for benefit and how they can be good ideas, how they will grow and they can die and they can uh, produce more ideas. It's a fascinating thought. She talked about habits and how we can train our children with good habits. And she said that if you've got good habits, it makes for an easy life. She talked about the bad habits and how we want to make sure we don't um, keep those bad habits, how to get rid of them. She talked about books being living books. So she talked about quaddle, rubbishy books and then living books which were books that would um, feed the mind feed the mind feed the child she talked about narration that's something that people often hear when they hear Charlotte Mason they hear about this word narration which is a method of teaching and assessing what a child has learned she talked about short lessons no dawdling no dawdling and any homeschooler will say oh yeah, I got the dawdler Um, So dealing with dawdling, short lessons. And she talked about observation and as a way of learning so the children would watch and see. They'd see nature. She would have nature walks and nature table. Yeah, I think that's probably.
0: And when you read her and found out about her, that resonated with your experience and your understanding.
1: Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought, oh yeah, this this makes sense. I I couldn't get enough of it. And so we'd um, so my my husband Philip and I would have we'd have um, a a date night. We always called them Saturday nights, but we wouldn't always have them on a Saturday. So uh, we'd have a Saturday night, and we might go for a uh, go out when we've got older children. We can leave them at home. We go for a walk on the beach, and then and talk and. Um, and then I would tell him about Charlotte and spout all this philosophy off to him. <laughs> and he would listen and we'd take it, we'd discuss it in great detail and how wonderful this philosophy was. And um yeah, we just took it on board. We really both loved it.
0: How lovely. How very, very lovely. Um how popular is she in the homeschool movement now?
1: I think she's probably the most um popular, growing, uh, more people are uh, getting interested in, in Charlotte Mason method than any other method. Um, My goodness. Hmm, they're really focused on her. But then I can understand why um, it, it it is very um, oh, rich. It's very rich.
0: Now, you said that if you had young children now and you have got two grandchildren, you would be homeschooling them, but for a different reason to the reason that you homeschooled your children. What is that reason?
1: I would homeschool for the same reason you would want to homeschool, Rodney. I'm very concerned about what is being taught in school and what is not being taught in school.
2: Yeah. Expand on that. Um,
1: I'm concerned about um I'm concerned about the what I see as indoctrination, mm. it would be um, things like climate change and the way children were made to wear masks in school. That makes me shudder, I think, about. Shocking. Awful. Um, the things that have, uh, the children are being taught, uh, the way the, the new history programme, which is being um Put out into New Zealand schools is concerning me, completely missing out great chunks of history and emphasizing other parts of history, overly emphasizing. The sex education is horrible.
2: It's horrible. When you add it all up, um, it's toxic for. Children's minds.
1: I fear for little ones who mm. um, are so frightened. They're mm. so frightened. They're being told so many frightening things. Mm. Um, my children had a childhood. They didn't need to know uh, frightening things, wars, and um the uh, politics and all the stuff that's going on. They didn't need it. I was very fortunate because. I grew up without worrying about wars and politics and uh, sex education and climate change. I had a childhood.
0: And then there's all this, on the one hand, catastrophisation of things, you know, whether it's COVID or climate change or colonialism, which is all a great catastrophe um, to feel bad about. And then, of course, we have this
2: overlay of racism. And then we have total confusion. Mm.
0: So no truth. Everything's how you feel. Um, You might be a boy. You might be a girl. And so
2: these poor little innocent children, rather than being taught, about the wonderful world that we have inherited and the wonderful knowledge that's available to us and the beauty,
0: they uh, seem to me, and I see it with my kids, being confused. They're not even sure whether the boy's a boy.
1: Yes. Um, I know of a, a teenager and when the census came in and he was looked at his census form, and it said uh, the gender your girl, boy, or, or some binary or something, and he said um, on, on the second question on the on the form said, uh, "Are you the same sex that you were born with? Are you the same sex that you are?" And he said. Well, I'm not. It was a young teenager. I'm not interested in girl at the moment. So, what does that make me? What do I tick?
0: My goodness.
1: And who? Uh, his mother had a little chat with him about that.
2: Mm. If what would you, what would your advice be for parents or grandparents? Feeling this, thinking about what to do and thinking about how to do it.
1: So, I was thinking about homeschooling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd say it's possible. If, if you want to do it, you can. You can do it. And, um, homeschooling, you know, um, Rodney, homeschooling's only been around for about 100, and, uh, no. Compulsory schooling has only been around for about 150 years. And before that, there was not compulsory schooling. Compulsory school is the new thing, not homeschooling. Homeschooling is not new.
2: Mm. And your children are very well adapted, presumably.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. They're all they're all married, they've all got careers, they're all very settled.
0: Yeah. And
1: they've all, they've all got friends.
0: <laughs> and they you must be extremely close to them.
1: No, um, well, they they don't live very close. One's in Australia.
0: No, but close, close in the sense of mother and father and children relationship.
1: We we had a, a a very close relationship when we were growing up. And one of the things that you find with homeschooling is that the children. Are close to each other so that the um, um, they don't the the brother and sister will be friends with each other and they won't say, well, I can't be friends with you because you're two years younger than I am. Yes. Something which uh, and school children can get very ageist. Yes. And the uh, homeschool children they do spend time with each other and they do enjoy being with each other. Sometimes of course they're going to fall out, but then they're going to fall out anyway, aren't they? So
0: let's picture this. Um, Well, let's take me. I've got three kids at school. I'm a little concerned that um, they're not learning enough, uh, that they're a bit bored with the schoolwork, that the schoolwork is very busy with projects rather than learning, and there's no disciplined learning. That is to say, times table, long division. It seems to be you just um, play around
2: and sort of pick it up. Um, there's, uh, It's very
0: child-focused is what they say, isn't it? It's all about um, doing a project and doing a project in the team rather than uh, learning off the masters and standing on their shoulders. So that's one aspect to it. My three kids are bright. Uh, one girl's uh, dyslexic and struggles a bit. And as I said, my little boy was dyspraxic amazingly. But, you know, they, they're
2: they getting along. But I get very concerned um, about the
0: catastrophization, climate change, and how bad it all is. And it plays on their minds. I get very
2: concerned about the politicization of the curriculum in
0: respect to our history and also the cultural activities they do. So when I was at school, we did Irish folk dancing and Scottish folk dancing, but it was just fun. Yes. It didn't have a political overtone. Now my kids do Maori dancing and Maori singing, but it's heavily politicized. It's like, it's not just a fun dance for kids to do. And possibly because of me and my outlook, my kids hate it. And um, I've just got it that my little boy, my little boy has been hiding in the toilet I discovered for a year and a half at seven and eight to avoid it, and no one noticed. And so he would go to the toilet for an hour, and I've just got it. I had a bit of a row, and I've got it that I just pick him up. And I said to him, why don't you just go
2: and do this, Kapahaka? And he says, it's not my culture and not my religion.
1: Religion?
2: Yeah, he said, "I don't like it,"
0: and
1: so he religion in the Kapahaka.
0: Well, I don't know where that's come from. To be honest, um, he's become both his mum and I were atheists, and we're slowly doing a journey to becoming Christian. But uh, my little boy is definite that he's a Christian at seven, and we don't know where it came from. And he felt very strongly about it, so much so that he had hide. And so we now bring him home. So that troubles me. But the one that really bothers me is this huge push. And I'm sure listeners think I go on about it, but they don't realize that this is almost every day in the school about transgenderism. Yeah. And I think that's wicked.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: And I see these lovely school teachers who I get along with very well
2: in one sense, and they're very sweet, but what they're teaching to kids is wicked. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does make sense. So how do we deal with it? You can either homeschool or deal with it in school.
0: Well, I don't see how I... I did it with the of I bring my son home to, um, on a Wednesday at two. I just pick him up. And I had to ride off to the ministry to get into that position. But I couldn't stand the thought of him. I didn't know. He just rushes off to the toilet and would stay there. And um, when I said, look, I found this out, and I said to the school, I'll bring him home, they said, oh, no, he has to do this. And I said, well, he's not been doing it all year. I discovered the same thing happened last year. And no, didn't miss him. <laughs> it was only when I okay. snitched on him that he got into trouble. Anyway, the teacher had a big talk to him, and he was to go and see the deputy principal. He's eight. And cool. be told how this would go. And I ended up writing to the ministry to see if it was compulsory, and it turned out it wasn't. So I pick him up. I've got the same thing with the transgender thing. And my daughter, my oldest daughter is 12. She's in year eight and she's very onto it. And she and I watched a wonderful documentary called what is a woman by Matt Walsh, and she can handle it. She's very mature for her age. And so she comes home and always tells me what the latest is. If you know what I mean? (laughs) So. She says you won't. You better sit. She last year she said you better sit down, Dad. I thought, oh my God, what's happened? And she said we had all these Lesbos and Trans come in to talk to us. And I said, what? This was this was when she was eleven.
2: I said, really? She said, yes. What were they talking about? Oh, how it's called cool to be Trans and leso.
0: And I wrote off to the teacher. And he said, Oh, yes, we had this group come in called Inside Out. out. I did. You've heard of them?
1: Uh, Inside Out, it's a charity, and it gets, um, the books show that it was getting about $300,000 a year income, and then suddenly it's gone up to over a million dollars a year income. Nobody's quite sure where it's come from, um, but it's pretty well like an. Um, lightly.
0: Yeah, well, they, they get money. Over. They get money from government. They get money government. from sponsors. They get money from Pink Shirt Day, and these teenagers who let's just say they can live as they like, but they're not role models.
1: No, they're not role models.
2: And
0: they and... had two two hours two hours with my girl of compulsory education without my knowledge.
3: Mm.
0: And I I I found that unforgivable. And funny enough, my, my daughter um thought it was a hoot, and because she's onto it. But my next daughter is very young for her age and it would affect her
2: deeply. Yes. yes. And again, um I think it's wicked because. There, there's nothing more,
0: and you you feel it more than me, and but, but every parent feels it, um,
2: beautiful and important than the innocence of childhood.
3: Yes.
2: And I feel as though
0: the curriculum in our schools and ideologues with an agenda have got into it, and everyone's too scared to speak out. I'm sure a lot of the teachers hate it,
1: the parents don't actually know.
2: The parents don't know. On.
1: And they think it won't be happening in my little school. And it is. It is happening. So I would recommend for um, parents of school children to go and find out. Go find out. Ask.
2: It's very interesting because... It's very exclusionary of parents, schooling now, I find. And
0: you get lots of communication, but it's nuts and bolts communication, not progress measured or um, here's what we're expected to learn. These are the words they're learning this term. Here's the arithmetic they'll be getting up to. It's lots of we'll be doing this activity and be doing that activity. And then um, I had a favourite teacher that when I'd raise a query, I'd get this long email back, which was babble. And, um, you know, yes. the thought that a young person would send that's been to teacher's college, and they write to you as a parent like you're a six-year-old. And it was all about, oh, well, we learned this at, teachers college and at teachers college they said this and at teachers college that they said that and it was oh, as a parent um you weren't the professional here you know leave your kid with us we've got it covered and you live
1: in a culture of specialization yes and experts and i think that can be something that makes people think that they might not be able to homeschool
0: yes i think that's it true to
1: be an expert doing that and I don't think that's um, uh, that—that's a worry. I say, you don't need to worry about that. If you were thinking about homeschooling, you don't need to worry. Excuse me about it. Um, that you're not an expert. isn't
0: it? You've got me so excited to do it again. Isn't it wonderful? I've got to tell you a little story about my homeschooling experience because. Um, I used to love it and I'd go to bed at night and I I remember my oldest daughter not getting fractions and she couldn't understand fractions. It was just a concept that just couldn't see. And I'd literally hop into bed at night and I'd be lying there. You know how you're thinking about the next day and be thinking, how can I explain fractions? And it was such a wonderful thing to work through. And then when she got it, I felt like, you know, um, the the fellow with Eliza do, do, (laughs) was it? Uh, She's got it. Yeah, she's got it, you know, and I was dancing around the room because once she saw it, she'll never forget it. Yes. And it was such a moment in my life.
1: Wonderful. That, Those moments are wonderful, aren't
0: they? Yeah, and I thought, imagine it. You know, you you were there when she got the hang of fractions and we still joke about it, her and I. Yes. Yes. And my dear mother, who's departed now, but she was 93, and she and I would be on the phone working out the best way to teach long division, you know, because you haven't done it for so long. And we had such a lot of fun sitting there, first of all, reminding yourself how to do long division and then teaching it to your children and then that thrill of when they see it. And then you discover that everything you do in the day is schooling. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Because you do some baking and you measure things out. Yes. And you go for a walk and you stop and you look at the plants with the kids. And um, it really is. uh, And.
1: Got it, Rodney. You've got it. Sorry. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you a funny thing. I'll tell you a very funny thing. I thought my second girl was a bit. My first girl's very bright, and my second girl I thought was a bit slow. And we spent time with her, and I discovered she's extremely fast. And I didn't pick it at the time, but we subsequently found out she's quite severely dyslexic. But because she's quite quick, um, she overcomes it. But you needed to teach her things, and you, you did it naturally when you were sitting with her, teaching her, because you found out what, what worked for her her to learn. Um, And I had thought, oh, you know, poor Grace, you know. Um, But she's actually got her own superpowers. And, of course, as you know, dyslexics have amazing spatial awareness and uh, things like that. And I would never, ever have known that because you're just relying on how she's doing at school. And we'd had her at the best private school in Christchurch. We'd go and see the reading specialist, worried about her. And because she was getting along okay, they said there's nothing wrong with her. And then once we got with her, my wife picked it. She said, I think she's dyslexic. And um, we took her and had her tested. And she was quite severely dyslexic. Um, and all these things that you learn out that the so-called professionals had led you down on.
1: And there's no one knows your child better than you. No, know your child.
0: No, well, you're encouraging me. I, I um. I think it's a very beautiful thing that you have done, Steffi. Thank
2: you.
0: What if if I was thinking of homeschooling my kids? What would be my first step?
1: Well, you know about the exemption. Yes. Yes.
0: By the way, I never did that. I used to get letters. I used to get letters from the truancy officer that my three kids were truant. And um, I'd just say, no, no, everything's good. And I expected the police to arrive one day, but they never did. And then they just gave up on me. They must've done the things of check. So I never did an exemption.
2: Yeah.
0: Isn't that funny? <laughs> it I tell you why terrible. I did it. I love it. I d- tell you why I did it. I did it because they're my kids. And I felt that I'd been let down um by the compulsory education. And
2: I didn't think that I needed their permission. No.
1: No, I think um if you want to follow the law and follow the rules, then you would go for an exemption. Yes. So that if if that's what you wanted to do, that would that would be
0: Yeah, but I'm a rebel. Yeah, I'm a bit, always like being a bit naughty now and again. Um, plus, i <laughs> i I, I, <laughs> I had a i had a picture in my mind of being dragged off by the police um, for homeschooling my kids and screaming at my kids, "Don't go to school." <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it a sad past because something so great? as kids and schooling, should be so amazing. And um, politics and ideology have polluted it. And I would add a lack of Christian faith and belief.
2: Yeah. Because um, it's a – I don't know about other religions, but I can see very clearly – that a Christian faith and a Christian belief puts children and education, um, gives you
0: a very clear picture of it.
1: Yes. I think children are very suggestible. Yes. So if you say to a child, it's cool to be um, transgender, and if you've been bullied and you're transgender, we'll look after you in a special way and You'll get all this special treatment. Well, of course, um, suggestible children will say yes. Okay, I'll go for that. Yes. But then, if you say to a, a child, if you're telling them a story about um, uh, an, a child who persisted through something difficult and they worked very hard and managed to succeed at um, maybe growing some plants and having food to eat, then the children being suggestible, they will. Um, be more keen to uh, work hard and push ahead and whatever. So we can give them heroes. If we give our children heroes Mm. and heroines Mm. to to learn from and to look up to and to follow, then uh, we're giving them, we're suggesting good ideas to them. There Mm. you go. There's that word, ideas.
0: Ideas. Steffi, you're amazing. Um, I'm sure you've encouraged a lot of people to... Consider homeschooling and what they can do. Is there a resource that people can go to online?
1: Yes, I've got a website and I've got two books that I've written.
0: Oh, wonderful! I did not know that. Oh, you you keep the best to last.
1: Um, tell me about started, your yeah.
0: Tell me about the books and
1: the webpage. So um the. Uh, when I, I started a homeschool support group and then I started, I could see there was something more needed and I started a formal um, homeschool um, course that you could come and learn how to homeschool. And I did it in my house and you would come every week and learn and get handouts and things. But then people started saying, come here, come here, come here. And I, I couldn't get everywhere and then people overseas. And so I made the course online with the help of Philip who was able to do all the technical side. And so the courses were then being sold all over the world. Wow. Then uh, um, I wrote a, a course for Charlotte Mason, and that was um, going around too. And it into a, on the website. And then a publisher, a homeschool publisher in Australia, contacted me and asked me if I would rewrite Charlotte Mason into um, a book that he would publish. So I did that. So that book's called Charlotte Mason Made Easy. Wow. And what's your what's the web page? Well, the website that you can go to is with, you can see all different sorts of things and get lots of ideas from homeschoolfamilylife.com.
0: Homeschool Family Life. I'll put that in there on the replay on our web page so people who are listening can go to it. Steffi, I'd love you to come back on and talk more about homeschooling. And um, I'm going to get that book and have a read. And then I can query you about it if you wouldn't mind. Um, are you homeschooling your grandchildren?
1: My daughter's homeschooling her, her school age children. And do you I'm. Do yes, I, yes I, she's um, very, very kind. Um, she, she lets me join in a little bit. So I have taught the boys to read. How and wonderful. Now we do uh, we do Latin, we do Latin lessons. Wonderful. Yeah, so then she's um, she was complaining that the boys were were insulting each other in Latin. Ah, they I Latin. Love,
0: <laughs> I love the idea of learning Latin. I'd love to be able to read what Caesar wrote.
1: <laughs> well, the Latin that they're learning is very, very basic. Yeah, of course, it's just, but you, it you know, it to understand a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean it wasn't that long ago that if you went to high school um you'd learn latin and your 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 learning book would be uh i'm trying to think what the name of it is but it's julius caesar's account of his war in gaul and i just think it would be remarkable to be reading what a person wrote before christ i mean it's just such an extraordinary thought
2: yes it is isn't it
0: um His exact words, as written down by him, or, I don't know, dictated, because he used to have a lot of help. But um, there is such, and that's, again, the beauty of the world and what we've been bequested from those that went before. Yes. And now it's all me now. Yes. It's um,
1: definitely... see these beautiful uh, uh, parks and um, all sorts of lovely events that were started back by the 100 years ago. Yes. Beautiful centenary park in Matamata that we walked through the other day.
3: Yes.
1: And uh, that that was made in the 1930s. And mm. nowadays, I think, you now where's our lovely park, new park being made? Yes. Where is it? Not there. Thank
0: you, Steffi. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's been real talk with Rodney Hyde. We've had a real talk with uh, Steffi Wormsley, Stephanie Wormsley. What a wonderful, wonderful mother and grandmother. And you haven't had the pleasure of seeing her, but she looks like, I don't know, uh, just a mum. But she's a nana and had five children. And she is so warm, so wonderful, and what a gift she's given her children and her grandchildren. And how lucky are we on Reality Check Radio to have her share that gift with us. Um, that was Stephanie Wormsley. You can go to her, her go to her webpage and it's homeschoolfamily, all one word, dot, homeschool, homeschool family life, family
3: life.
0: Dot com dot com .com, and you'll have resources there uh, to investigate and she's certainly given me food for thought so thank you for tuning in and if you text us or you've got any questions text us at 2057 that's our text number or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio it would be lovely to hear from you and uh, I'm sure we will be doing a little bit more on homeschooling thank you for listening
1: You've been listening
0: to
2: Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR, reality chip radio.